Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, March 21st, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And when I say it's Sunday, I mean it's technically Sunday, but it's essentially late Saturday night. It's 1-11 Eastern. I've been on CBS Sports Network all day. Norlander's been on CBS Sports HQ all day. Now that we're done and all of Saturday's games have been completed, we are here to talk through the second full day of the 2021 NCAA tournament. And the biggest headline, I think, is connected to the game that wasn't played. Oregon VCU was canceled because of COVID issues inside VCU's program. So the Rams were removed from the bracket. And the Ducks were advanced to the round of 32 where they will play Iowa on Monday. Deadleg, you reported on this. Tell us what we need to know, and then I'll probably spend five minutes screaming, I told you so. Let's not let, – can we not have that part, please? Are you I, always, I always have to – anybody who knows me knows I always have to say I told you so when I told you so. All right, all right. But, so I'll, he, keep, but I'll keep it brief. First of all, little uh, uh, peek into my my home life. So this this whole news breaks when the only game happening is Iowa versus Grand Canyon, and Iowa's just doing what it should be doing. So my older boy says, "Can you come read some books and and you know get ready to help put us to bed?" And I'm like, "Of course I can." So for the, for the first time in days, I close my computer, leave my office, leave my phone up here, and I go do this. I'm gone for maybe. Maybe 13, 14 minutes. I return. <laughs> I return to, I don't know, two dozen text messages, six missed calls. Hey, we need you on HQ about VCU. What happened with VCU? It's out of the tournament. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The one time I step away and this happens, are you insane? I didn't even like read the text. I just saw I had a whole bunch of missed calls. So I hop on HQ. Go through that whole thing. So VCU is obviously out. As we as we record this right now, VCU is fly, everyone that doesn't have a positive COVID test in its program is flying back to Richmond now. Uh, everyone that does have a positive COVID test is riding on a charter bus uh, with the team trainer. And, uh, you know, bless that bus driver, whoever it is, uh, hopefully that whatever the setup is on that bus, uh, hopefully that driver is, is obviously taken care of because he is transporting infected people with the virus there. Um, this is an interesting situation because VCU had more than enough players to be able to play. We were not presented with the situation that it would be down to, you know, six players, five players, and good to go. My understanding, I'm just going to lay this all out, then it's all you. My understanding is that the Marion County health officials took a look at what had happened. Uh, one source told me VCU's first positive popped on Wednesday. This is obviously kept in-house. Another popped positive Friday, and then another popped on Saturday, and they reconfirmed the Friday one on Saturday as well. So three people, players in VCU's program caught COVID. When this happened, the Marion County health officials decided, we think there could be a chance that this might wind up spreading, and we are going to have to remove our recommendations that you're removed from the tournament as a precautionary measure because we don't want to have you play a game against Oregon. Uh, whether you win or lose, we look up and suddenly you've got two more tomorrow and three more the day after that. We are making this decision now. Uh, obviously, VCU had to live with that. Uh, Mike Rhodes had very good perspective with his Zoom call with the media saying it is just a basketball game. There's more serious things out there. He is right about that, but it still sucks. This is one situation we did not want to have to encounter. And then the other piece of reporting that I share on Saturday night was VCU, uh, St. Bonaventure, and the officiating crew all stayed at the same hotel for the A-10 title game, which was it was in a different format this year. They played the entire A-10 tournament in Richmond with the exception of the A-10 title game a week early. Then they went to Dayton. They stayed at the Dayton Marriott. Roger Ayers caught COVID. I've been in contact with Roger Ayers. He's actually, you know, he's not, he's having a rough time with this. And this is one of the elite officials in college basketball, uh, 
Uh, he even admitted to me on Saturday that he's still a little scared with what he's going through. So it's so continue to please to have the man in your thoughts. Wonderful official, really nice man, and he's going through it. No, he doesn't believe that he caught it at the Dayton Marriott because uh, the timeline it doesn't suggest that. But VCU and sources I spoke with uh, were concerned over the the fact that there was a high school basketball tournament and people uh, staying at this, the general public not wearing masks. And there were concerns while this was happening at the A-10 title game. And the incubation period did its thing. Now we have VCU positives. We don't know 100% if that's the case. We don't know. But I do know that there's just general... And there's not anger at the A-10 on behalf of VCU. In fact, just the opposite. It's just... we didn't have. They said we didn't have one positive test among our players since last summer. And so we're trying to look back and think about how could this have happened. And the one obvious potential reason for this is we stayed at the hotel across from UD arena. The general public was there. People were walking around without masks on some as if it wasn't a pandemic. One source said that they saw hotel staff yelling at people staying in the hotel to put their masks on. Now we're removed five, six days. Here we go. And it's a situation no one wanted to have happen. VCU is now out and Oregon gets to move on. Hopefully, hopefully, this is the last of it. By the way, St. Bonaventure, as far as we know, has not returned one positive test. It lost against LSU in the first round, and it is already back in Olean. First things first, you feel awful for the VCU players and staff and everybody connected to that program because uh, you know, I can't imagine how disappointing it is to go through your entire season living within strict protocols, You know, eliminating friends, eliminating relationships, avoiding groups, parties, and really trying to do the right thing. You know, if you talk to, I think this is true. You, you, you back me up on it um, or, 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 or push back on it. When I talk to college basketball coaches throughout the season to a man, they um, almost brag about how great their players have been in terms of, trying to do all of the right things. Like, of course, slip-ups happen and bad decisions happen, but they've been really encouraged, dating all the way back to last summer, about how seriously the overwhelming majority of their players were taking this in the spirit of, if we want to play in the NCAA tournament, this is what we have to do. So if your VCU's players dating all the way back to last summer, you're doing everything you're supposed to do to the best of your ability. And you actually make it through the season with zero positive test. And you make it through the A-10 tournament with zero positive test. And then you fly to Indianapolis and you are hours away from playing. And then you're told in a hallway in a hotel that you're not going to be allowed to play. I mean, that is just, I, I think Mike is right. There are worse things going on in the world. But that's a, you know, relatively speaking, in the confines of college basketball, that's just about as bad as it gets. It is, and I, you know, I caught up for about seven, eight minutes with Mike Rhodes before before he knew if they were leaving uh, on a plane tonight or tomorrow morning, and just kind of talking through, you know, what the past couple of days have been like, and then earlier in the day, and yeah, I mean, they had to get the, they had the uh, floor dedicated to themselves uh, at their hotel, and everyone that didn't test positive got to go to that meeting and. The staff informed the players, and some players were emotional. Some players, you know, frankly, didn't even know how to accept this news because, you know, how, put it this way. VCU was making its way to the Indianapolis airport on Saturday night when at that same time it was basically expecting to be walking into halftime of its game against Oregon. I mean, that's just a lot to take on. And Rhodes said, he's like, ask any one of my players, any one of my staff, we have been you know, we've been lucky, but we've also been all over it. Like we have not taken chances. My players have been amazing. We have we we have taken every every precaution possible from how we would enter buildings to taking elevators. You name it, we did it, and we felt fortunate that we didn't have any positives to this point. And so that's what makes it all the more frustrating for them. And you know, I I th- I think it should be noted that this is, I mean, for the A10. This is two years in a row. Now, VCU is not Dayton last year, okay? But Dayton last year loses its tournament. Bana isn't able to keep up with LSU. And then VCU just doesn't even get his game. Like, this is just, this is another body. You just don't even get a chance to win a tournament game. And, oh, by the way, you know, the real world unfortunate side side effect of all this 
is because the A10 went about holding its conference tournament final the way that it did, This, uh, I thought Oregon was going to beat VCU by 15, and maybe that would have happened, or maybe VCU would have won by 10 GP. I mean, the, the second round of Saturday was phenomenal, right? Who knows? But they didn't play, and you cost your conference money because now it can't even have a chance. It never even got the chance to, to, to win a unit, if you will, and that does mean a lot to these leagues. And... Uh, it's just, it's just a damn shame because the conference tried to be innovative with how it held its league championship, and in the end, it's possible that that's actually what wound up backfiring and kicking VCU out of the tournament. And, oh, by the way, another of your members, St. Louis, had to shut down for more than a month, and that might have cost them a trip to the NCAA tournament. So COVID has really messed with the A-10 in a, in a, in a pretty obvious way. Um, it should be noted that we will never know where this first positive test came from and where, you know, and, and, and exactly how it happened. That's sort of the frustrating part about this virus is on a long list of frustrating things about this virus. You know, like when, when, when my wife would test positive, uh, you know, people would be like, Oh, so where'd you get it? You, you don't know, you know, if it were the flu and you had a friend who had the flu and they were coughing and sick and then you caught the flu, you could reasonably assume, well, I got it from that person. But with this, you could get it from somebody who doesn't even appear sick. That's the trick. And so we don't know where it came from. But to your point, VCU believes it's possible it came from the conference tournament, which just underscores what I'd said a million times, a million different ways. Should not have been playing conference tournament championship games or conference tournaments in general, so close to the start of the NCAA tournament. Because, again, what was my plan always? To have a, a week in between Selection Sunday and the actual start of the NCAA tournament. My schedule would have had Selection Sunday on March 7th and the NCAA tournament starting on March 18th. So if VCU would have played its conference championship game on March 6th, and then it got its first positive test on March 10th. Is it possible it would have been in, in, in a position to play on March 20th? Maybe. Maybe. If not, probably. Mm. And yet, because you took the conference tournaments too far into the, into the calendar and put Selection Sunday too close to the start of the NCAA tournament, here is our worst nightmare a worthy team not being able to play because of a positive test that, that, that popped and then continued to pop throughout the team in the games leading up to its game. I'm not saying my plan would have avoided this entirely. That's the thing that, that frustrated me when I tweeted this last week. People were like, well, you know, there was no perfect plan. I didn't say there was a perfect plan. Of course there's not a perfect plan. But there are better plans, you know? Like, like hey, there, there is no way to ensure that you won't die in a car wreck next time you get in your car. But putting on your seatbelt, it'll help. It gives you a better chance of surviving. This was similar. There was no perfect plan. But, this was, but the plan implemented was not the best one. The one I suggested was a much better one in terms of giving every team that made the tournament an actual chance to play in the tournament. But when you did it like this, this was an expected outcome. I was on CBS Sports Network when the news broke, and I was asked about it, obviously. And I said, it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking, but it's not surprising. It's not surprising. You didn't have to be a genius to predict something like this was going to happen. Now here we are. Here we are indeed. And uh, listen, that's yeah. This let's just hope this is the last one, please. And there's no guarantee it will be. And uh, one, my closing thought on this, and I got asked about it on HQ for my overnight hit, was, you know, is this the is this how it is going forward? We actually don't know technically if that is the case. It's the rule through the Elite Eight. The NCAA has not yet clarified if this situation surfaces in the Final Four or the championship game, if any kind of delay would be on the table in light of what's happened with VCU, uh, I would anticipate the clarity should should be made in the coming days. We'll see if that's actually the case. But uh, you know, knowing that plan before we get to Sweet 16 needs to be a fairly high priority and informing both the teams and the public about that needs to be done as well. Uh, sincere thoughts with the VCU program. Rhodes had some wonderful perspective, of course, but they miss out on their chance. And, um, and in doing so again, Oregon, uh, it, it gets a, it gets a walkthrough. This is an unprecedented situation, obviously in NCAA tournament history. We've never had a team advance like this before. And just so we're clear on this, cause I've gotten asked the question on Twitter a few times. Um, I hate this for VCU it seems to me to be the only decision the health officials could have made when you've got multiple people 
you, when you've got an original positive test on Wednesday and then another positive on, I believe it was Friday, and then another positive on Saturday, or the Friday was reconfirmed on Saturday. You just, you can't, that, that is exactly what, oh, this is spreading through the team looks like. You, you cannot put them on the court with Oregon. As, as much as my heart breaks for them, I do think the right decision was made. Agreed. Let's, uh, let's get to the encore stuff, Parrish, because I, I got to be honest with you at about, I don't know, like six o'clock. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm excited to pod with GP again tonight. Uh, but what's, <laughs> I swear I thought this to myself. I was like, is Saturday night going to offer us like anything interesting? Like, okay, Bama, Iona was, was, that was, that was okay. And, and whatever. It turns out like we have a historic first two days in the NCAA tournament, Let's break it all down. Uh, so on Friday, we got a rare 15-2 upset. That was Oral Roberts over Ohio State. On Saturday, a rare 14-3 upset. Abilene Christian over Texas. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Wings for the game? Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's going to take the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So the biggest upset on Saturday was the last game of the night. 14th-seeded Abilene Christian beat third-seeded Texas 53-52. Joe Pleasant grabbed an offensive rebound, got fouled with 1.2 seconds left, and yes, he did get fouled. He needed one to tie, two to win. He's a 58.8% free-throw shooter, so naturally he made both of them, and that was that. Deadleg, uh, was that some kind of way to end the night, or was that some kind of way to end the night? You know, the you know the ending was amazing. The game was terrible. I mean, the game was awful, right? You're in agreement, right? I mean, this was... It's 53-52 with one team shooting 29.9% from the field and the uh, and 16.7% from three, and that was the winning team. <laughs> Just... How do you, as a 14 seed, shoot under 30% from the field, under 20% from three, and win? I mean, I could tell you how. Did I... you see this tweet? No, go ahead. I look at this kind of stuff all the time, and I don't know like how rare this is, but this is outrageous. Abilene Christian took 67 shots. Texas took 40. The Wildcats had 27 more shots than Texas in a 40-minute game. That is incredible. That's... They grabbed 18 offensive rebounds, and Texas turned it over 23 times, so that's how you get it. Their offensive rebounding percentage was 38.3, Abilene Christians, which would rank fourth in the country if that were their season average. So they offensive rebounded at an incredible rate. Texas turned it over 23 times, and Abilene Christian took 27 more shots than Texas. That's outrageous. All right. Let me roll through a few. That's just... That's just a joke. I mean, yeah, 3 of 18 from three-point range. The offensive rebounding there, uh, I got thoughts on thoughts on thoughts on this. Yes, the game was hideous. Uh, Shouts to Lisa Byington. Uh, she has she did a she did a great job on the play-by-play call. First woman to ever call in silver tournament games, and she is, uh, she is damn good on the mic. So credit to her. She definitely rose to the moment there. Uh, <laughs> just, first of all, Andrew Jones, who has hit clutch shots, he gets lost and he gets forgotten in history with this. Like he had a big, big like Texas could not buy these shots, and they they, they kind of almost went three seed steals it back from you, 
and it did not happen. Andrew Jones had a beautiful shot that fell, and then the foul was, okay, the foul on Joe Pleasant's a foul. I saw a little bit like this has been a physical game, blood on the floor, and it's true. There was a, there was a ton of blood on the floor. It's inarguable Joe Pleasant got fouled on the putback. We agree, right? Yes, he was shooting okay. the ball. He was putting it back, and his arms got hit. That's a foul. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's. I mean, listen. I, I listen. I'm happy for Evelyn Christian. I hate this for Shaka. I mean, ugh. You you spent months like reestablishing yourself with the Texas fan base, and now here we are again. And I've already got people tweeting me like, hey, "How could they keep him?" Well, they're going to keep him. He's. He, I think. I mean, but he is going to enter his seventh year at Texas. With three NCAA tournaments and zero NCAA tournament wins, like that's ob- it's obviously not the bullet point you want next to your name. So I hate this for for Shaka, and I hate it for those young men at Texas. But like a foul's a foul. That was a foul. It just was. It was a foul. You're absolutely right. And yes, I mean that's Shaka has not yet won. I mean he gets VCU to the Final Four in 2011, ten years ago, and it puts him on the track to Texas. Hasn't won a tournament game yet. Has it's it's and. It, it, we didn't think this was going to be the case whatsoever. Now, he's he's lost them in some excruciating ways. I mean, the way that you drop this game is just nuts. And then, uh, what was the uh, the other one against Northern Iowa? Just the, the most casual half-court Jesperson bank shot. That's just the most ridiculous. <laughs> like, there have been some ridiculous uh, game winners. Jesperson's shot to win it back in 2016, I think it was, is one of the more absurd winners Ever. Um, so he's gotten knocked out in ways that are just tournament goes tournament on you. What what can what do you want from me? Right. Um, loving I, I, things. Why things why I love this tournament. The the shots of, of Joe Golden's wife uh, just, you know, she's living and dying with every possession. And it's it's you know, these games don't have a lot of fans in them, but the, the family members are there. And so you do get a lot of that drama there, which I, I just find to be irresistible. And then Joe Pleasant, 58.5 percent. He steps to the line, and I'm like, "Are we gonna have to talk about this man, like he's like he's uh, another Washington situation here? Please don't let me say we're we're gonna be doing this again." And he just calmly drop. I Parrish, I I'm not rooting for Texas to lose in that situation. I'm rooting for a college athlete to not miss both free throws and ruin his chance at beating Texas in the NCAA tournament. Because I was it, actually rooting for a very specific thing. Make one in, one, one out, overtime. Yes, that way, that way, Texas doesn't lose on a you know final second foul, even though yes, it was a foul, and that way that young man doesn't have to lose the game at the free throw line. Like, hey, make one, miss the other one, let's go to overtime and settle it. You've got first of all, Joe Pleasant. Just what are we let this tournament, man? The stuff every single freaking time, fifty-eight point five percent. He hits both of them. To, and you're at Abilene Christian, and you beat big old Texas. You beat them. You beat them. You beat them. You beat them. Texas is the only school from Texas to not win a game in the 2021 NCAA tournament. Texas Southern got a win, and then Gonzaga went Gonzaga on them. Just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. To do it against the Longhorns there was it was it was a special it was a special evening and heck and. On a personal note, I always want that final tip, that final finish of the first round deep into what's normally a Friday and was a Saturday here. Give us weird. Give us different. Give us drama. We got it. And uh, as I was getting ready to go on CBS Sports HQ, it is the first time ever. This this truly stuns me. Like I feel like we've had this three or four times, but we haven't. First time ever that we've had at least four teams seated number 13 or worse make it to the second round. What? That's just, it's mind-blowing to me. It feels like we would have had like, okay, we had a two 13s and two 14s win in a year, or three 13s and a 14 or a 15-14. It just hasn't happened until this year. So, to me, Abilene Christian's win was the most stunning, even more than Oral Roberts. And I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast or not. My, my Everything's bleeding through. I know I mentioned on HQ. This team's the smallest team in the tournament. Even smaller than Ohio State. Not too little, what? GP. Not too what? little. Smallest what? team in the tournament. Abilene Christian's smaller than Ohio State. Two little, two, the two little Buckeyes. Smallest team in the tournament. Abilene the Christian. Smallest team in the tournament get eighteen offensive rebounds against Texas. It makes no sense other than it makes all the sense in the world because we're it's March and we're talking about the NCAA tournament. So congrats I, I, to Joe I, Golding. 
I wish my guy from Baylor was here to answer that question. Yeah. How did Haveline Christian, the smallest team in the tournament, get 18 offensive rebounds against Texas? Well, uh, the ball comes off the rim, and if you grab it, that's a rebound. And they got 18 of those on their end of the court. Shouts to, uh, oh, man, who did it? Who said Who said the, uh, who had that quote? I know it. Uh, Torian Prince. Torian Prince. Torian, Torian Prince was the one who did it when they lost to Yale. Yeah. Um, so like, listen, I, I should be clear circle back to the, the one of the initial points. I, I do think Chaka smart's going to be Texas's coach next season. A, because I think he should be because I think he should be, but B, I mean, they just paid Tom Herman like $15 million in a buyout. And when they had to buy out his staff, I think it was like $24 million total. I don't know if you want to buy out a, a, uh, uh, an otherwise six. I know the NCAA tournament. I can't argue with that. He he will enter year seven with zero NCAA tournament appearances. I gotcha. But has otherwise, he. It's not like he ran the program into the ground. You know they they've been in the NCAA tournament. I think three. There's been five NCAA tournaments since Shock has been the coach. They've been in three of them. Uh, I do believe he will he will get a year seven at at Texas just to clear that up. But I mean, are we are we right back where we were? Where he enters year seven with real job pressure again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And maybe That's like just, I'm not I'm not gonna we're not gonna get into crazy speculation, but like I don't know if like this the way this ends, does it you know, does he maybe uh does does Marquette make a phone call? Like I don't know if any of that stuff's gonna happen. But just the way this ends, it's kinda like uh but yeah, I would expect him to be there next year. And if Marquette made a phone call, that's at least something I would listen to. I would agree. I'm sure Marquette's making many phone calls right now. So uh, it's, I'm just, I'm not saying that that's happening. I'm just saying, you know, the way things ended here, like who, who knows? But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Shaka Smart's not alone, by the way, in, in his misery. Uh, he is not the only coach that got knocked off by a double-digit seed on Saturday. Yeah, let's get to that now. The reigning national champions have been eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Virginia is one and gone. The Cavaliers lost 62-58 to Ohio. So that's another 13 over four, the second in two days. Norlander, how much of this was Ohio? How much of it was COVID? How much of it was Virginia, the ACC champ, was always just good, never great? I, I think mostly it's COVID. I, I To be honest, it's... It, you know, I just traded a few texts with a few coaches on this as it was kind of going down. And um, I actually think, I think I was on the phone with Mike Rhodes when they were getting beat and we were kind of talking about, and not a good day for basketball in the state of Virginia, uh, certainly. Um, but just the nature of, of how Virginia got to this point. So it's, everyone's isolated for a week. You can't practice like the most you're doing is whatever cardio you can do in your own living space and like push ups and sit ups and like that's basically what you're doing right it's not the same. Then they get out of it on Friday. They fly to Indianapolis. Then they have to land, get their stuff, and test twice over a, like what a 14 hour period. They get basically one practice in before they have to play. And like I I kind of thought they'd give them the benefit of of slotting them into the final tip time window on Saturday. You know no they that's you know. They, when you barely have any time, you'll take an extra two, two and a half hours. They didn't get that. And they I didn't notice this until the second half because of the VCU stuff. They made these dudes drive to Bloomington, GP. And that's that's like an hour, hour ten drive. It's like they, they didn't get to go around the corner and uh and pull into Banker's Life or go ten minutes up the road to Hinkle. Just they had and whatever. Ohio deserves the win. Great win, Jeff Bowles. Good stuff. Jason Preston it continues to be an amazing story. And I can't wait to see what he does in the next round. But for just the reality of it, it's like Virginia was just up against it. Like many, the way, the simplest way I can put it is, if you asked any of the other teams on the two, three, four, five, and six line to endure what Virginia endured and then have to go drive up to Bloomington, face Jason Preston, play Ohio, in my opinion, more than 80% of those teams would have lost that game. Now, Virginia wasn't great, uh, and they did have the lead in the first half, but, you know, sea legs can catch up to you and all that good stuff. And, you know, credit to Ohio for the win, but Virginia, weird four-year period. Knocked out by UMBC, come back, win the national title, no tournament last year, and then you get upset in the first round again. Quite the journey. Virginia Virginia fans will take it. I mean, they got the national title. This, If this is the bargain they had to make, then it's the bargain they had to make. But this is not nearly on the level of the other three upsets, um, in my opinion, Ohio State. Texas and Purdue. Yeah, I got some, you know, uh, same old Tony Bennett type of stuff. And I'm like, this ain't that. All right. If you want to talk about UMBC, we can talk about UMBC. 
and that was obviously a historically bad opening round NCAA tournament loss. This wasn't even hard to see coming. You know, like I almost changed my bracket, but I just sort of made a deal with myself. I'm not touching my bracket after it's done last Sunday night, but you could almost see this coming. I mean, they didn't do anything for a week. And I've spent so much time over the past week talking to coaches who went through COVID pauses. And every one of them says, yeah, you can get back to what you were, but it takes a minute. Like, we're, like we, we, it was, it was um, you know, said a million times today, you know, Virginia got that one practice in. Like I talked to Rick Patino last week and he was like, when we came off COVID pause, like our first practice wasn't even a practice. You can't practice when you haven't done anything for a week. He's like, you start trying to practice. Now you got two pulled hamstrings. So you can't, your first practice is not a practice. And so Virginia really essentially did not practice at all. They were sitting in apartments for a week, came out, flew to Indy, bust to Bloomington and had to play a basketball game against a team that had been practicing every day and preparing for you every day and running every day and jumping every day. And, and that's, that's mostly what that game looked like. I, I'm with you. I don't want to take anything away from Ohio. I, 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 we're not excusing the loss as much as we're trying to explain it. Um, and I'm not saying that Ohio couldn't have beat Virginia without these circumstances. It's possible um, for, you know, Ohio could have. I mean, this is a, a, the same Virginia team that, that lost to San Francisco in the second game of the season. If you can lose to San Francisco uh, on a neutral court, you can lose to Ohio on a neutral court. But to talk about this without proper context is, is unfair to Virginia and, frankly, dumb. This looked like a team that had come immediately off of COVID pause, traveled and played, and, and it, it shouldn't be that surprising that this was the result. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And to me, kind of you know, the Virginia situation, while unique, also a bit of a microcosm to what we're talking about here in general. I mean, the, you know, first tournament to have at least four teams seated, number 13 or worth make, making it to the second round. We ha- we did have some chalk, and Saturday started off a bit chalky, but the circumstances surrounding the tournament tied to COVID are, are leading to, you know, some – a little bit of madness here, and I don't. I don't think you know correlation and causation match up here entirely. But you know, I I was kind of wondering if we'd get some of this, or if it would be a little chalkier than normal. But no, we got we got a lot of a lot of the kind of drama that we seek. The Virginia stuff was just a predictable level of it, and I I'm with you. I almost went back on it, but I was like, you know what? I'll just bank on virginia and tony bennett i'll just i'll just ride with that and uh in the event that us ucsb beats creighton which it didn't i'll take uva into the sweet 16 whatever is what it is um for virginia it's weird like it goes from having the longest stay in the 2019 tournament to literally the shortest stay in this one like even vcu was in indianapolis longer than virginia i would imagine they weren't going to make that team fly back saturday night but they'll be on a plane early sunday morning heading back to charlottesville after just a i mean just talk about your extreme experiences here like you go through you're the first one seed to ever lose to a 16 there's a few guys on this roster who were part of that team back then then you do the just the ultimate redemptive national title then last year like weirdly virginia was maybe spared a little bit because it wasn't that good like it wasn't setting up to be a sweet 16 level team now who knows what it would have been but uh the tournament gets uh vaporized and we just don't really know it's just like whatever then they were the reigning champs here and you're you're one and done and you and you get beat by a team that's got a future NBA player on it. So credit to Ohio. Uh, I can't wait to see what they can do on Monday. It feels weird. I want to say Sunday. My days are all messed up, GP, but they will play on Monday. Um, and they uh, and Jeff Bowles and that team continue. That's obviously a program with some with some upset history to it, and I'll, I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, the, the story of the first two full days of the NCAA tournament has been upsets, upsets, upsets. I still, and I might be wrong, I'm, I, I acknowledge that, I still think at the end it's going to be the best teams. I still think at the end, like all of my, for all, for, for my bracket being all messed up right now, my elite eight teams are all still alive. I I still think by the time we get to the end, we're going to go, okay, these were the best teams all year long. And now here they are, you know, playing for a national title. I still think these are all nice little stories. I don't think we're going to see Cinderella in the final four this season. I'm, uh, I don't have all – I had a Texas going to the Final Four, so I'm in trouble there. My son is stunting all over me, by the way. He picked – he's got Ohio in the Final Four. Now, he picked Greensboro to win the whole thing, so he's in some <laughs> trouble. <laughs> i got to teach my man he's in some trouble here soon. Uh, he's got San Diego State in the, losing to Greensboro in the title game. But he picked Oral Roberts. He picked North Texas. He picked Ohio. He picked 
He picked UCLA to beat BYU. He picked Abilene Christian. He's got Abilene Christian in the Sweet 16. Now, he had Iona to the Elite Eight, but I just find it fun. Listen, I love doing this with my son. He's actually beating me right now, though. It's, just, <laughs> it's embarrassing. I had a better day on Saturday than Friday. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty wild. What else, uh, what else from Saturday do you want to get to here? Because I, I know I got a couple things. I got a couple things I got to get to with you, my friend. So let me let me walk you through the other results from Saturday. And as always, I'll let you take it wherever you want to take it. Top ranked Gonzaga beat Norfolk State by 43. Oklahoma got past Missouri 72-68. Creighton was in trouble, but avoided being upset by UC Santa Barbara, won by a point. USC had no problems with Drake. Shorthanded Kansas trailed Eastern Washington by double digits, still won 93-84. Luca Garza led Iowa past Grand Canyon. Michigan beat Texas Southern as expected. Cam Thomas got 27. LSU's win over St. Bonaventure. Florida State led from start to finish in a win over UNC Greensboro. Maryland upset UConn. UCLA beat BYU. Hashtag saying the court. Rick Patino had Iona tied with Alabama less than 11 minutes to play, but the Crimson Time pulled away one by 13. And Colorado, the computer trickers, did a number on Georgetown. Good Lord. Good Lord. I, I'll never argue with the computers again after that one. Nope. Beat Georgetown 96-73. Shot 61% from the field, 64% from three. They made 16 threes. Rub it in my face if you want to. The GP Foolers is what they are. They fooled what? you. The GP the Foolers. What? Oh, my God. Dude, that was the I, first game of the day. I know. <laughs> so we were up late, late, late last night. So I won't lie. I slept in a little bit. And then I get up and I'm getting ready to go into studio. And I turn on Georgetown and, and uh, the computer trickers. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and, and I was like, I mean, I don't actually, you know, I don't really care that much. But like, mm. I was like, how funny? Because it was starting to get out of hand pretty quickly and i was like how funny is this going to be if colorado just like bombs them like yeah. absolutely bombs them and you could argue of all the teams that played on saturday nobody was more impressive than colorado i mean right. gonzaga won by 43 again but like dude 16 threes shooting 64 percent from three and 61 percent for the field what and it's like leading in so i'm downstairs in my kitchen and uh got the tv on in our in our den and just, you know, my boys are playing in the den and they're talking about like Charles Barkley is talking and Kenny Smith are like, we love Patrick Ewing, cannot wait. This is our good friend. Like, we can't wait to see what, and the game's done in five minutes. Like, it was just over. It was over. <laughs> like, dude, some, some, some guy tweeted me this morning. I think maybe tweeted both of us. He was like, his son asked him, like, sincerely, what time did the computer trickers play? <laughs> just amazing. Jabari Walker. Uh, credit to uh, Dave Warlock, who does stats with the uh, NCAA. He said he's the 16th player in tournament history to make all of his three-point shots with a minimum of five attempts. Uh, John Goldsary of UNC Wilmington has the record eight of eight. Uh, Jabari Walker had a freaking coming out party. It wasn't just him. The entire you know Colorado in general. McKinley Wright had a wonderful, wonderful game in general. But God, that was just... It just gave me a chuckle. What What do you want? 96-73. Georgetown didn't deserve to be on the 12 line either, by the way, but whatever it is, what it is. Um, but, yeah, Walker just it's just 24 points, 5 of 5 from 3. Good stuff. We can move on. They were they yeah, were amazing. Well, like, it's amazing to me that almost every time I do one of those, I just sort of have – I'm just having fun. I don't really – I don't even – I'm just having fun. That's all I'm doing. I know. That's, well, it, this, ne yeah. it, it never goes my way. <laughs> It never, and, and somebody tweeted me, and they're exactly right. I On the podcast, I had Colorado and USC in a wrong team favorite situation. And then, of course, Colorado wins the game. And then rather than just acknowledge Colorado won the game and maybe the computers got something right, I doubled down, called them computer trickers, and then they made 16 threes. <laughs> <laughs> just, by the way, Georgetown, we'll move on after this, Hoya fans. I'm sorry, I got to bring this up, though. 96-73 loss here. Hoyas, when they get in the tournament recently, it's not ending well. They lose by 11 to Utah in 2015. Before that, the Gulf Coast debacle, 10-point loss. Before that, NC State in 2012. Before that, they got knocked out by VCU. Before that, in 2010, to bring a full circle, they got romped in the first round by Ohio. So Georgetown, it's been a long time since they had any kind of sustained success in the NCAA tournament. Maybe next year, maybe after that. But Hoyas fans, they've been suffering for quite a while.
back to Colorado. Again, it totally impressive performance. They're one of five teams in the round of 32 from the Pac-12. The Pac-12, because UCLA was in the first four, and so they've won two games now. Uh, the Pac-12 is now 5-0 and in this NCAA tournament with a no contest. They have five teams in the round of 32. Joke's on us, huh? You know, I playfully tweeted out, what got into the Pac-12, like giving them a little credit? Oh, my God, the insecurity from Pac-12 fans. Get over yourselves. Like, talking as if you're a top three league. Like, you were a fine league. Uh, I, I had, you know... Oregon fans, UCLA fans, why don't you, why don't you watch a game every now and then? Why don't you do yeah, why, why, don't you get, why, don't you, why don't you get a network that people can watch, nerds? They'll tell me to watch your games. You put your games on the Pac-12 network, and my direct TV bill's $330 a month, and I still can't watch your stupid games. You watch your games. I'm not watching them. And I do watch them. That's the thing. I, <laughs> I watch them. Pac-12, by the way, by virtue of doing this, has... This was actually kind of a long shot, but they pulled it off. The Pac-12 jumped ahead of the ACC in Ken Palm's conference rankings because the ACC's been terrible in the NCAA tournament, and the Pac-12 has yet to lose a game. So congrats to the Pac-12. You're the fourth best league in America, still a distant fourth behind the SEC, then the Big 12, then the Big 10. I was just kind of like, this is awesome. The Pac-12, And then I just, it's, it's definitely like this sort of, this idea that because we live on the West Coast and everyone's on the East Coast, we don't pay attention to West Coast basketball. It's completely false. Get over yourselves. Watch oh, I, we- get, I get accused of East Coast bias. I live in the South. I know. They're like, oh, East Coast bias. I'm like, I live in the South. And by the way, just so we're clear, I don't want somebody uh, grabbing a quote and throwing in a message. I watch lots of Pac-12 basketball, but I genuinely don't have the Pac-12 network because I can't. I can't get it, but that is the frustrating thing about. And you were just trying to compliment the Pac-12, and then and then the fans make you root. Like now, now you're rooted. Now you're now you're with me. You're anti-computer trickers. Now you're on my side. Because <laughs> I, I am fans- not. And as listen, anyone that listens to the podcast knows we've got plenty of love for the Pac-12. I mean, I, I believe that I spoke Tinkle at Hinkle into existence. That's going to happen on Sunday. Tinkle at Hinkle is going down, and. Mick Cronin, the whole deal there. Like, congrats! Oh, yeah, to- got you. We do. We're the we're the Mick Cronin podcast. Come on now, we are. Don't let any other podcast tell you otherwise. By the way, UCLA beating BYU. I didn't even see it coming. This is now the. This is the ninth time. Here's a little fun fact. Here's a little fun fact for you. Fun fact for the listeners. You know what? You take this. You can pawn it off on your own. In fact, you know what? I want. I want I want people out there. This is ridiculous. It's getting late. I'm I'm getting loopy. Here's that. Here's here's the deal. Here's, here's the stat for the ninth time in the ten tournament history. I have to say this weirdly because we didn't have a freaking tournament last year. For the ninth time in the ten tournament history of the sixty eight team field, a first four team will move on to at least the second round. The only time this didn't happen is twenty nineteen. It's a hell of a fact. I want our listeners, I want you to text somebody that you haven't heard from in like three or four years, and don't be a creep about it. Text an old buddy or something. Just drop that stat on and be like, hey, UCLA beat BYU last night. It's the ninth time in, a, in the 10 tournament history of the 68-team field that a first four team that will move on to the, at least a second round. Hope you're doing well. Send a screen grab, see what they send you back. It just, I want to just start dropping random things on your friends, or at least former friends there. Um, UCLA does well. It's the first time ever, Oregon and Oregon State, are in the second round of the NCAA tournament in the same year. Never happened before. Good on the Pac-12, doing wonderful for itself, and it's just the third time in the league's history that it's made uh, made it to the second round by beating three major conference opponents. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful there, but that came from the league on Saturday night. So the only other times this happened were 2009 and 2002. And on UCLA, like, we'll be we- – we are over the top with McCronin and stuff, but like be serious for a second. His top recruit, Dacian Nix, doesn't enroll. Best player, Chris Smith, tears his ACL. Jalen Hill, gone from the team for personal personal issues, personal reasons, and they still win two games in the tournament, still in the round of 32. Like that's pretty impressive stuff. Johnny, Lose, Jesus, your, yeah. lose your best player and, and, and don't get your best recruit and still march it in, in – you know, into the second round of the NCAA tournament. Johnny Juzang suddenly like one of the five best players in America. What is going on here? Like he's the he's the modern day Kyle Wiltshire. I don't know what's happening. You just you leave Kentucky and then you flourish on the West Coast. Kyle Wiltshire did it at Gonzaga, and now Johnny's Juzang at at UCLA. In fact, if I had a son who was a basketball prospect, we'd we'd have this planned out. He didn't roll at Kentucky. Transfer after one year. 
enroll at USC and be all American. That's the way this stuff works. All you have to do is go to Kentucky for a year, transfer to the West Coast, and then you're you're a player of the year candidate. That's a hell of a plan you got there. Abilene Christian will play UCLA at 515 on TBS on Monday, by the way. So we are guaranteed, yet again, I think it's happened all but two years since the field expanded, that at least one double-digit seed will make the second weekend. I did not predict this in my bracket. I'm not doing this to myself ever again. I'm an idiot. Any other uh, lingering thoughts on the Pac-12? Uh, I think I'm Pac-12 now. All right, quick thought on Alabama-Iona. It was just, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Now, Alabama pulled away late, but Rick Pitino, they just made it interesting. Before we knew what this night was going to bring, I just, you know, I don't know if you have a thought on it or not. We can move along. But it was, it was kind of cool to see Iona, which does not have the roster that should be competing with Alabama. Pitino went Pitino. He made it interesting until there was about four minutes to go. And the tide, he made the tide a little bit nervous, and then they move along. I can't help but wonder, because of Texas losing parish, you get a game like this, will we see Alabama just roll off two more wins, three more wins, and just get to the Final Four? And Is this the one game that they would have that's maybe a little bit of a hiccup, and then they, they shrug it off their shoulders, and then, the, and then they're off to the Final Four? Well, Who's? look at this if you're Alabama now, right? So you got, you got Maryland next, and Maryland's a double-digit seed. And then if you win that in your Sweet 16 game, you are guaranteed another double-digit seed. And then, you know, you might run into the one-seed Michigan or the two-seed LSU. But, like, I don't want to say Alabama is guaranteed to be anywhere. This is – I mean, you'd be crazy to say that about anything connected to this tournament. But uh, the next two games, if you get two more games, are both going to be against double-digit seeds. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a pretty nice path uh, to the Elite Eight. Uh, I, I thought the Alabama-Iona game was fascinating because Rick just decided uh, we're taking the three-point line away. Uh, Alabama averages 33s per game. Uh, they only took 16, and that was because Iona. You know, Alabama takes 47% of its field goal attempts from three. Against Iona, it was only 30.4%. So, you know, Rick talked about it in the post game. He said we were going to try to make them, you know, do something besides launch threes on us, and they did. And for 29 minutes, I mean, it was a competitive basketball game. Again, tied with under 11 to play, but then Alabama – took off in, the, in those final 11 minutes and wins the games by 13. But Rick Pitino's fingerprints were all over that. The only reason that was interesting is because Rick Pitino was coaching the the underdog team. A uh, few fleeting thoughts in the East. I'll, uh, I'll lay them out and let me know if you got anything. Uh, UConn just losing to Maryland the way it did. Uh, that was going down when the VCU stuff was happening. So I didn't see any of the first half. I caught up for the second half there. Uh, just didn't see that kind of result coming whatsoever. For UConn fans, that's got to be super frustrating. And for Maryland fans, it's got to be really inspiring to see that Mark Turgeon showed up in a game like that, got his team a, a big old win. Florida State was the first team since Kentucky in 2018 to win a tournament game without making a three-point shot. It went 0 of 9 from 3. Greensboro gave a good fight, but FSU moved along there, and it will. F- that's a really wonderful second-round matchup with uh, with Colorado, by the way. And then, no thoughts on Michigan. LSU wins easily against St. Bonaventure. Um, I believe one of us had that, and uh, unfortunately, Bonna just didn't. I mean, it just did not have the offense whatsoever there. So LSU gets to move on and sets up what I think will be a pretty interesting second-round game against Michigan. Well, first, that LSU-Michigan game, I think, is going to be tremendous. Like, I'm not ruling out LSU winning that game. I have LSU winning that game. So, yeah, that's my pick. In my yeah, I, like, I, I, it seems reasonable. I mean, you know, Michigan without Isaiah Livers. I mean, listen, Michigan won comfortably today, but they were 25-point favorites, and they didn't win anywhere close to 25. So they underperformed relative to the point spread. And not having Isaiah Livers is a real thing. And LSU, boy, I mean, they can score on you. Cam Thomas, 27 points, and he's the type of guy who can go out and get 27 against basically anybody. He doesn't average that, but he's capable of doing that against basically anybody. Mark Schmidt, St. Bonaventure's coach, was asked about him in the postgame, and he just sort of smiled. He was like, he's a pro. Like, he's going to make millions of dollars playing basketball. So, they, they, no, we weren't surprised by Cam Thomas. Like, he's, he's you know, probably – Uh, the most talented player on the court. He was certainly the most talented player on the court in that game. So LSU uh, basically cruises against St. Bonaventure, and that LSU-Michigan game should should be terrific. You mentioned UConn. So they dropped to 11-4 and with James Booknight, season over. School still hasn't won a game in the NCAA tournament since 2016, and Booknight was 6 of 16 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. So assuming his college career is over because he's a projected lottery pick, he will have gone 10 of 30 from the field in his final two games. One a loss to Creighton, the other a loss to Maryland. 
Yeah, that's a frustrating end for uh, for UConn fans. But we'll we'll see what the roster looks like next year and year two in the Big East. Um, fleeting thoughts in the West, real quick. Uh, I maintained Oklahoma, Missouri was the ultimate coin flip. It kind of basically played out like that. Oklahoma moves on, despite no Davion Harmon. He will not play. As a reminder, he's still out for the game against Gonzaga. Gonzaga did what Gonzaga does. Here's a little factoid for you. Gonzaga, Kansas, and Villanova are the only teams in college basketball to have made the second round in seven straight NCAA tournaments. Congrats to those three programs. It just shows to show you how hard it is to even maintain that level of consistency. Creighton, I, I kind of wondered when Creighton UC Santa Barbara finished, I was like, is is this and uh, the Kansas Eastern Washington thing going to be what we lead the podcast with? And I'll get to that other one in a second. Creighton, it just gets out. I mean, uh, Amadou So, they, they almost won it. They It was as close to a, a win as you could possibly have. It bounced off the rim. It must have three well, or four Well, how about this? There. If 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 that was a foul on Joe Pleasant, that was a foul on, on Amadou So as well. He got fouled. Uh, not as egregiously, but yes, the, there should have been a call there, and there wasn't. It was the pleasant one is it, it, that was a hack, but yes, there was contact made, and they swallowed their whistle, and Creighton wound up being the beneficiary of that, and because of that, Creighton will now play Ohio in the second round. Uh, nothing else from the I mean USC didn't have too much talk. Drake made it interesting and then it wasn't interesting unfortunately but good season for Drake USC moves along there uh, Oregon obviously moves along and then Iowa just it got, it got done what it needed to get done if you're if you're a fan of Gonzaga Iowa Michigan like your teams did what you want them to do maybe Michigan it was a little bit closer down the stretch against Texas Southern than you want it to be the only other thing from Saturday that I want to talk about is what could have been for about an hour and a half the Groves brothers Tanner and Jacob on Eastern Washington uh, became a, a genuine thing, and they damn well should have been because these dudes and their follicle mastery was incredible. They had Kansas down big. Then Kansas reeled off like just a vintage blue blood, highly seeded team. We're going to show you who's boss, and it's, you know, I don't know the exact run I don't have in front of me, but it was basically like 15-3, to three and it's, this game is done. Uh, afterward, Bill Self had a wonderful moment with Tanner, the big man, um, who was getting kind of emotional. Like, clearly, just that's just the best, man. Like, Eastern Washington didn't pull it off, but they certainly had dreams that they were going to be able to. Kansas fans are all too familiar with, not recently, but in the past, they've, they've, they've taken some, uh, some notable upsets in the first round under Bill Self. They dodged it here, but tremendous heart and tremendous poise from Eastern Washington. Their coach, actually, Shante uh, uh, Liggins, he is a candidate to get the Portland job. I don't know if he will or he won't, but um, if he doesn't and he stays, these Groves brothers, I, I want them back in the tournament. Tanner's a junior. Jacob's a sophomore. Uh, I want these dudes back. I hope this isn't their one and only appearance there because that was a lot of fun. And it get, it winds up getting way overshadowed because of the VCU stuff, because of what we saw with like UCLA upset, upsetting BYU, and then, of course, what we're getting with uh, with Abilene Christian there. But I couldn't let the pod wrap but without at least bringing those guys up. That was just – that's the goods. And, you know, dude looks straight out of – you know, a 1977 rock band. It's just awesome, dude. So c- c- credit to them for a really well-played uh, game. Kansas moves along, and uh, and we get a fantastic KU-USC matchup on some, on Monday. When you see the players on the teams that are eliminated get emotional, or even Chris Holtman, you know, in a Zoom call after the loss to Oral Roberts, like he was as down as I've ever seen him. Yeah. And it's just sort of interesting. Like we look forward to these first – two full days because it represents, you know, the start, the real start of the NCAA tournament. And what you forget sometimes is that it also represents the end for so many college basketball players. Like we, we, we call this the start for so many, it's the end. And it's, it's, it's hard because some of these guys will never play basketball again. You know, James Booknight will play basketball again. But so many of these guys, that's it. That is the last time they'll ever play in a competitive basketball game. And, and you know, I, I never played uh, college sports, so I can't, you know, apples to apples. But I can still remember my last high school baseball game, and I can remember knowing this is probably the last time I'll ever play baseball. And that'll get you pretty good. I mean, imagine doing something your entire life, and you know that's it. I'll never do that thing again. That, that'll get you. It, no, it, it absolutely will. And that's, that's you know, it's kind of the split screen of uh, this month of this tournament, and it's – it's a bummer, but uh, but it is what it is. Um, any other thoughts on the day? I want to just give our listeners a quick heads up on the on the matchups for for Sunday. But any other lingering Saturday day evening thoughts? 
go through the matchups. Okay, here we go. This is your this is your TV guide for what we're getting on Sunday in the second round here. First game is the best one. Um, I guess you call this the Duke spot. I guess Loyola Chicago Illinois. That's a twelve ten CBS tip, and then you just you know. You're going to be reminded of how the second round works uh, with CBS and Turner teaming up. So that's just that game, and that that should be a standalone game. But then it's just Wisconsin Baylor after that on CBS 240, and then CBS has the third game at 5:15, Syracuse West Virginia, and then you'll get some multi-game action: Texas Tech Arkansas after that on TNT. Then an hour later, it'll be Rutgers Houston on TBS. True TV gets Oral Roberts versus Florida. Can't believe they're doing Oral Roberts like that on True TV. North Texas Villanova is 845, and the eighth and final game of the day is on TBS, and it is hashtag Tinkle at Hinkle, Oregon State versus Oklahoma State. We get the best possible second-round matchup, period, as the first tip of the day. Super compelling, 12-10, right off the bat, let's go. I think Loyola Chicago is going to keep it interesting. Obviously, we both have Illinois winning, but I will, I will not be surprised if Loyola Chicago wins this game. So that is your Sunday viewer's guide. Your thoughts? I will be surprised if Loyola Chicago wins the game, but I will not be surprised if it's super competitive. Um, and like Kofi Cobra and Cameron Crutwig, I mean that's great. They're so different, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to see, I want to see Cameron Crutwig like drop step baby hook right over an outstretched Kofi Coburn arm. Like it could be fantastic, or Coburn could just eat him for lunch, which I don't think is going to happen. Crutwig's a very good player; he's just a very different player. And then we get to watch Buddy Beheim go go for go for forty against West Virginia, probably. Who are you taking on your roster right now? You only get one: Johnny Juzang or Buddy Beheim. Two best players in America right now. I think I'm taking Buddy Beheim. He's been unreal, man. Yeah, that's a five fifteen CBS. Tip like I, obviously here at, at CBS Sports Network, I, I work with a lot of Syracuse grads. So like Tyler Hale, one of our bosses, is um, a, a lifelong Sy- Syracuse fan. Um, um, Adam Zucker. Big time Syracuse fan, um, Jody Logsdon, big time Syracuse fan, and so like the the idea that in the year two thousand twenty one, Jim, think if somebody would have told you this ten years ago, in the year two thousand twenty one, Jim Beheim will still be your coach. You'll be playing for a, a you'll be playing a game against Bob Huggins to go to the Sweet Sixteen, and oh by the way, your best player will be Buddy Beheim. What ridiculous. Quick, quick question for you. I'm removing Texas Tech, Arkansas from this question. By the way, Arkansas going for its first. We're going to break some new ground right now. If Arkansas wins, it's going to be its first Sweet 16 appearance since 1996. 99 teams, GP. 99 six, teams. Six from the Missouri Valley Conference. How about that? Going next level on me. Here's my question for you. I'm removing that game from consideration because there's only three C lines between and Chris Beard is involved. Are you picking Syracuse, just for fun, uh, most likely upset you see happening on Sunday that involves teams with at least four C line uh, or greater discrepancy between them? Is, that, is Syracuse over West Virginia or is it might be something like Oregon State over Oklahoma State, Wisconsin over Baylor? What's your number one pick? Well, first off, let me correct the record. I actually don't think Illinois Loyola Chicago is the best game. I, I think Arkansas Texas Tech is the best game. Okay, it, it's Chris Beard trying to keep Arkansas out of the Sweet Sixteen yet another year. Chris Beard, who used to work in the state of Arkansas, trying to keep Arkansas from where it ought to be. That's good stuff. It's a, it's 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 very good stuff. Also, it could be like Chris Beard's last game at Texas Tech. <laughs> Who the hell knows, right? It could be it could be Muscle's last game in Arkansas. Who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, it's Chris Beard and Eric Musselman coaching for the right to coach Indiana. <laughs> or Mus Minnesota native. Like I'm not I'm not trying to put him in the job, but like they're clearly going to call him. So who knows? We'll see. Arkansas fans this? listening this, are like, do not okay, do this. Guys. Okay, let me ask you this. Will the loser of Texas Tech, Arkansas oh, be coaching at the same school next season? That's such a tough one. I say no. You're saying no. I'm saying either Chris how about or Ar- this? I'm how about this? I'm saying this is what I believe. I don't think Chris Beard and Eric Musselman both have the same jobs next year. I'm going 60-40. That's the case. That both of them will not be both at their jobs. Yes. And I, I don't have information specifically to this. I just know that both men are clearly going to be courted by other schools. And it's a matter of if they want to go and if their schools will be able to retain them. <laughs> These or, fans, like, they're getting geeked up for their freaking team's second-round matchup. I'm like, are you kidding us right now? Are you kidding me? You're or, you're taking our coach and, and plucking them out and throwing them to a different spot already? Not trying to do is that. It, 
or is Houston Rutgers a situation where it's former Indiana coach against future Indiana coach? You're putting Peichel in Bloomington? Give Indiana to Steve Peichel. Let him do the job. That's definitely not happening, but it would be amazing there. My my most likely upset pick here, I mean, I uh, I say North Texas upsets Villanova and Javion Hamlet coaches Indiana next season. And, well, that's the that's the plot twist no one saw coming. My pick, my pick. Yeah, let is, me be serious for a second. I yeah. actually think it's Syracuse over West Virginia. I think it is too. I almost want to say Rutgers over Houston, but I think Syracuse over West Virginia is the most likely upset. Yeah. All right, I'm fired up for tomorrow. We're watching, the next Indiana coach is coaching tomorrow somewhere. There's a decent chance. Not a, <laughs> not a, not a great chance. There's a there's a there's a decent chance. Uh, can we go to bed? Let's go. I'm so tired. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the I Own College Basketball Podcast, middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Whew. Sent VCU home. We got to get out of here. I've never seen one like this. Most ridiculous idiotic thing i ever seen if you're not subscribed to the podcast please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. we'd appreciate it and we'll talk to you again at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> we'll talk to you again in 24 hours two o'clock in the morning this can't be the way you're supposed to live this can't be the, the way you're supposed to live in the middle of a pandemic I, I have i have too much respect for you i had almost had half a mind to just stop recording in the right there in the middle of you speaking just to give it a, for, for comedic effect but we can run this properly you're right this can't be the way to live this is not the way you're supposed to live we'll talk to you again real soon till then take care you deserve the truth the enemy is at our gates the fight for humanity i look at your faces I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.